There's really nothing positive in the news right now. So we're going to do something a little different during today's episode. We're going to dive into the meat portion of the Meat and Freedom podcast and talk about diets and particularly dogma, dietary dogma, and how really, regardless of what approach you take to your diet, it's really not a good thing. We're also going to discuss just a tiny bit Megan Kelly, who went off on people coming after the Second Amendment. And I want to talk a little bit about it on the Meat and Freedom Podcast. All right, welcome to the Meat and Freedom Podcast, everybody. We abruptly stopped the music. I haven't found a nice way to fade that out just yet. We're getting there. I'm Scott, as always, your loving and caring host of this wonderful podcast. Please, by the way, like, share, subscribe, do all of the things. We really do appreciate you listening and uh, eventually watching on YouTube. So, so today I want to, I want to do something a little different. Um, and I want to talk about dietary dogma. And the reason this is coming up is because I have experienced this in various forms and fashions throughout my dietary journey. And I'd like to talk a little bit about it. I'd like to talk a little bit about my dietary journey. And ultimately, finding yourself in a place of neutral is probably really the best place for you to be. Also, Megyn Kelly came out hard against people who advocate for gun control. And I thought it was a really good take. And I want to touch on that a little bit. Um, so let's let's dive in. So so first, first things first, let's talk about dietary dogma. So I should give a little bit of my background to you so that you understand where I'm I'm coming from. So for much of my life, standard American diet, right? As as a lot of us are, um uh eating out all the time, eating like garbage, not really caring. Uh this is mostly through my youth. I was severely overweight. Uh one point hundred pounds overweight, if not more, which to me was severe. I started experiencing a lot of health complications. I really wasn't very good to myself to begin with. I was a smoker at the time. I really just didn't care. You know, I had that sort of attitude of when you're young, you feel invincible and you think that you can make a lot of these mistakes and do a lot of these things to yourself and that you're really not going to reap any of the, the consequences of those actions until you get older. That was always what I told myself. That was the excuse that I made for some of the poor decisions, um, poor avenues that I went down. and and. In my 20s, um, I started getting really sick. I started getting really sick. Particularly, um, I, started, I, I started getting asthma. I, I was diagnosed with asthma, which is something I, I just have never had. I always had, um, there, there were several times in the past when I had had issues with my lungs because I smoked. Um, I would get pneumonia. I would get all these illnesses that you just think somebody who's healthy and in their 20s probably shouldn't get. And, and, and in, in normal circumstances, probably wouldn't have, but I treated myself like trash. I had skin conditions. I ate like crap. I smoked and I, I didn't care. I really didn't. And I think that's, that's an important thing to think about because sometimes I, I will look at people who make poor dietary decisions and I think to myself, how could you do that? If I told you that I had the cure to your ailment 
and you ignored me and continued to do the things that you did, how could you ignore me? Wouldn't you be interested at the very least in what the cure was and trying it and seeing that it worked? And I have to remember that I at one point was in the same position. I ignored everything that I heard. I did not care because I felt invincible. Now, when I was officially diagnosed with asthma, something clicked inside of me, and I don't know why. I don't particularly know why that was the moment that sort of woke me up, uh, but it did. There was just something about it. I mean, noticing your health on the decline sometimes, and particularly there, there usually is like one moment that you can look back on when you made a life-altering choice, right? There's like one incident that occurred, and you can always look back on that incident. You don't really know sometimes why that incident is worse than the other ones, but that's the one that sort of shook you into to re realization. And the asthma diagnosis shook me into realization, and I, I started working out. That was the first thing I changed, was I started working out. And I, I started doing the beach body workouts, okay? P90X and uh, T25, I think is what it was called. I was doing those. And I got really into it. There was just something about being able to move like that. And I got really, really into it. So I started diving into this. And then that ultimately led to diving into my diet and making changes there. And at the time, I really just counted calories. So I was counting calories and I was doing the workouts and the weight was coming off. And so I'm the type of person, if you know me in real life, you're going to know this about me. I, when I go into something, man, initially I go hard into it. And I did in this case. And I started researching and I started looking into macros and I started really amping up the exercise. And I, I, I got so hyper-focused on it and I lost a hundred pounds, a hundred pounds. I went from being in the, from 265 at my fattest to being 155 at my skinniest. Okay. Now that's like, that's like, that was incredible for me to be able to do that. By the way, I'm 165. I fluctuate in between 165 and 170 now. So I've put 10 pounds back on, but I like to think that some of that's muscle as I focused more on lifting and resistance training. But the truth is, is that, you know, that process was very hard. And I can look at myself and I can say, I had a lot of success really just focusing on the basics, high protein, um, trying to keep my carbs and my, uh, uh, fats in check at the time. I was really focused on protein and I got a lot of success. Well, then I decided, you know, I need to like, I need to take this to the next level. And what's the, what's the path that I can take to take this to the next level. And that ultimately led me into veganism and YouTube and the internet. What it is good for obviously is having you have access to a, a, a plethora of information, really anything that you could ever want but where that leads you down a dangerous path is the algorithm, because what happened is I would watch one vegan video and now YouTube is feeding me all this vegan propaganda. So the whole time I'm watching these vegan videos and I start really, really diving into veganism and I, I, I do it. I was a vegan for one year, one calendar year. Um, and I will openly admit to you, as I like to be honest to my audience, that I felt great at first. I felt great. 
I thought veganism is going to be the answer to everything. Like this, this is it for me. But as time passed, I will, I will admit, and I can look back now with clear eyes, there were certainly signs that I was doing something my body didn't like. The truth, and and look, I want to. This is part of why I want to get into this conversation. Um, the truth is a little different than how I perceived it at the time. But looking back, you can see these things. I was really bought in, and so I excused a lot of the signs. And I'm not like I'm. I'm telling you, man. I was really into this. Like I didn't shortchange my protein. I made sure that I was getting different amino acids. I tried to balance things. I was doing a lot of research and trying to shape my diet in a way that I felt um, was providing me with with the adequate nutrients and minerals and vitamins that I needed. I felt like I thought I was doing the right thing, but there were symptoms. One symptom in particular that I can tell you at that time was I was cold all of the time. All of the time, cold. Frigid cold. Sometimes my body would be physically cold. Like you could you could touch me and I would be incredibly physically cold. I still have a little bit of that today, but it's not like it was then. There were times when during exercise I would get very dizzy and sick. Uh, that was something that I had never experienced before. Not even when I was 250 pounds and I was starting to exercise did I ever get that sick? But when I was on the vegan diet, sometimes I would go into these, these exercises and I would have to stop because I felt like I was dizzy and I was going to throw out, throw up. Um, at the time I excused that as I was dehydrated, but I, I'm not so sure now the, I did lose lean mass, uh, when I was a vegan, even trying to be cognizant about ensuring that I got enough protein. I did lose some lean mass and um, ultimately found myself in a position where I was eating things that just weren't natural and making excuses for them. But I did not feel great towards the end there. And I started eating meat again and went back to what I would consider like a meat, vegetable, fruit kind of diet. And then I found the carnivore diet and I started looking more into that. And YouTube feeds me the algorithm again, starts feeding me these videos about the carnivore diet. I started, I read a couple books and and then I realized it was really the big fat surprise, that book that sort of tied everything together for me. And I realized, holy crap, the government lied about COVID big time, right? And they pushed the vaccine, not knowing some of the consequences of that um, on people and then lied to them. And I knew that the government lied because I've seen the food pyramid. Like one thing that vegans and carnivores and sort of everybody who's, who's at least like healthy understands is that the food pyramid is garbage. And that, so then like I start tying all this together and I realize, man, we're really being lied to about a lot. And they were coming out so hard against the carnivore people because they think that meat extends global warming or CO2 emissions or whatever. It's so stupid. Um, and that made me lean into it a little bit because, you know, if they're coming after you, I think you're onto something. And I still sort of live in that world. I actually, not even sort of, I do live in that world. I've had no vegetables or fruits this week. I have all meat and fat. 
you know, that that's most of my diet, like 99%. We go out to dinner, I might have some broccoli um, with my meat. But meat, fat, and coffee, because I'll just never give coffee up. Sorry, it's not going to happen. Those things are my diet now. But what I, what I find very strange is that vegans and carnivores will debate. They will argue with each other. They will go at each other. They will condemn each other. And I just wonder to myself, why? Why, why do we concern ourselves with what other people do? I, I understand wanting to help people. I think that's, that's like noble and fair. And, and I think there are a lot of carnivores. I think there are a lot of vegans who really think that they are helping people. And they, they post information and they post sort of study, you know, studies or they post things that they find because they want to help people. That's noble. There's nothing wrong with that. But those typically aren't the carnivores or vegans who are calling each other out or who are going to have a grand debate about which is the proper human diet, when in reality, um, the proper human diet is really relative, isn't it? It's really, it's really dependent on you and your medical history and sort of what you got going on and how you react to certain things. It's so independent that it's very challenging. Having a community, that's great. You should have a community. You should have like-minded people around you. You should have people who disagree around you. You should have both to keep yourself in check. And I, I, I will say this about both sides, that it's just so petty and stupid because the, the people in the middle sometimes are the people who are, who, who are probably right. And that, that, look, and that's okay. Like, do I tend to lean into the idea that, that a meat-based diet is more of the proper human diet? Yes, I do. Because I do, when I hear that, that's the, the you know, when you start talking about what our ancestors ate and how our vegetables and our fruits just aren't the same as they were back then, and, and you start to really look into that in the agricultural industry, you know, industry and how it pumps things out. And yeah, you really do start to like lean into a little bit that maybe a meat-based diet is the right one. It was the right one for our ancestors. Why wouldn't it be the right one for us? And I sort of agree with that. I also feel the best just myself personally on a meat-based diet. I feel better now than I ever felt when I was a vegan. And that's on a meat-based diet. So for me, that I, I sort of lean into that. But at the same time, if somebody is on a vegan diet and they feel the best that they've ever felt, why is that a bad thing? Ultimately, too, and I'll say this, all roads to the carnivore diet usually start on the, the vegan diet. You know, usually uh, most carnivores that I know, at least, were vegans at some point. So I don't think it's necessarily bad or right to condemn somebody because of what they eat, what makes them feel good. I don't think it's right to to condemn somebody because they want to eat plants and they don't necessarily like to eat animals for whatever reason that is. That's their choice. Let them make it. You know, you can tell them like you can ask questions like, hey, how are you getting your protein? How are you doing this, that and the other? That's okay. I don't think that's bad. And they shouldn't attack you for asking that because you may just be asking out of a position of curiosity, which is what I would be asking out of. I'm not going to condemn anybody. I, I work with a vegan on one of my teams. You know, so you have a carnivore and a vegan sitting next to each other, but we get along just fine. Because again, it's it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. It's whatever works best for you. And at the end of the day, that's what you need to remember. And you should you should keep yourself open to new information because new information is coming out all of the time. As a matter of fact, 
if if you weren't open to new information and if people weren't open to new information, then we would have never discovered that some of the studies we've seen around saturated fat are just cherry-picked information that's being provided to us. And we would still think that saturated fat was this devil. It's not. And we know that now. But if somebody didn't keep an open mind and maybe challenge some of the perspectives that they were hearing, they wouldn't know that. Look, again, whatever works best for you. That's what's important and that's what matters. And stop arguing about it because the the likelihood is, is that you you agree with this person on 90% of maybe their lifestyle choices. Maybe you disagree with 10% of their lifestyle choices. doesn't mean you can't enjoy each other or be friends. And I would say the same thing about politics, of course, naturally. Um, but, but there are leftists that are just like so far gone that I don't even want to be friends with. You know, if you, if you think transitioning kids is okay, I really don't know that I want you in my life. Um, outside of that, it's just, it's silly. And I've noticed a lot of this dogma, um, and I think it's I think it's really, really silly. It's okay to advocate for something you believe in, but don't condemn someone else because they may disagree with you. This, that's okay. Being challenged is good for the soul. You know, iron sharpens iron too. So so healthy debates are good. So I wanted to bring that up. Um, because it was something that that I just sort of experienced lately. And I've noticed that there it's just it seems to be like carnivores and, and vegans who are the most the most involved here. And I just, again, so silly. Um, okay. Megan Kelly. So, Megan Kelly recently um, went on a tirade. That was actually this weekend because of all the, like, you know, all of the stuff that's been going on. The shootings, the Killings, shooting in Texas. The world feels um, rocky again. And Megyn Kelly had a nice um, take on this that I actually want to share. And she she was condemning all of the people who continue to to call for gun control. And she said, look, you, you add nothing to the conversation. You ask for the same things over and over and over again. And you're not going to get it because of the, the Second Amendment. You know, you're not going to get it. And by the way, in the in the places that gun laws are the heaviest, we see, you know, these shootings that that's where they tend to happen. I mean, this mall in Texas, this was a, a gun free zone. And obviously the law did nothing. She makes the point that there are over 300 million guns in the U.S. You're not getting all of them. And, and, and while the AR-15 is the classic go to blame it on gun because it tends to be a gun that is utilized by some of these shooters. It's not the gun that is most utilized in shootings. That would be handguns. That would be semi-automatic center fire pistol, striker fire. Sorry, sorry. Semi-automatic striker fired pistols. Probably Tauruses. Those would be the guns that are used the most um, in shootings in the United States. And what 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 I think. Her point was so good because it is absolutely true that these people continue to harp on taking guns away, even though in the areas that they have taken guns away, shootings are still happening. Now, they'll blame the other states. They'll say, well, how are we supposed to to do this when Indiana allows anybody to get a gun? Yada, 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 yada. OK. It doesn't matter. It's not going to stop. 
And if you take the guns away from people, what do you see? Like, like people are just, there are bad, corrupt people. Okay. We are born with original sin. There are people who want to kill people and they will, no matter what, no matter what instrument or tool that they have at their disposal, they are going to kill people. If they don't have a gun, perhaps they use a car, which we also saw over the weekend as a sadistic, lunatic scumbag drove a car into a bunch of people, killing several. He didn't use a gun. He used a car. And at the core of this issue is not the tool that is used to commit the heinous act, but the heinous act itself and what led us to this position. What got us here that this person commits this heinous act? Were they just corrupt from birth? Did society shape them? Was it the media, perhaps? What was it? And I think investigating that, diving into that, that's where we need to spend our time. And if we need an immediate solution, how about this? We should do something with mental health in this country. We need to provide more services for mental health in this country. We need to bring back asylums. Okay, I'm sorry, we do. And not in the state that they were before. We can do better. Okay, I don't, nobody's saying that. Nobody's saying, let's just bring them back as they were lobotomies and all. Nobody is saying that. We can do better. But there, do, there does need to be an institution that we can, we can put these people so that they can get the care and attention that they need while also not being a danger to society. And that's not prison. That's not prison. We need to separate that from prison. Prison is punishment and it should be punishment. I'm sorry, it should. And this whole idea of reformation, it's, it's not working very well, okay? The data clearly indicates that crime has gone up. Violent crime, I should say. And we need to do something about this. And there's obviously clearly, very clearly, a mental health issue in this country. And so we should be looking into that. But the gun debate takes away from that, right? We don't talk about mental health. We continue to talk about guns, 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 guns. And then they, they, they sort of steer us away from the real conversation, which is the, the what is causing this. And I think I, I think I agree with Megyn Kelly very, very much on that, that, that we need to focus our attention on that. We need to talk about that. Anyways, I want to thank you all for listening. I really do appreciate it. This was just another one of those episodes where I kind of talk about my experiences through life and what I'm sort of seeing in my world and I wanted to share with you. Please comment in the comments, you know, comment. Let me know. Email me. Email the show. Um, let me know. Actually, you know what? Don't email because I don't, I don't even know if my email box works. Tweet me at vegan wing. You can find me on Twitter at vegan wing. You should follow me on Twitter and then DM me. Let me know if this is something you experience. If this dogmatic dietary approach, if this has affected you in any way, shape or form, please let me know. Also, please like share, subscribe. Thank you for listening. I really do. I really do appreciate it. You don't even know next time. I'll, I'll try to be more news focused, but I wanted to, to, to go a little anecdotal today and, and talk about some things that I have been thinking about. Anyways, thank you all for listening. I will see you all in the next one. Peace.